Ladies and gentlemen, Pogbas and Drogbas, welcome back to Worldy. Well, 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 welcome back, gents. It's been a very busy week in the world of football, has it not? Uh, yeah, there's been plenty going on. Lots to talk about. Yeah, there is. I mean, we started to write down a list of things. There's a lot of things. Too, too many things. Too many things? We're going, for it. we're going to have to be brief. Yeah. Right. So this one, without getting too deep in it, let's talk Wenger out. Wenger out. He's gone. Like, actually out. Yeah, 22 years. The, I, still, I still can't believe it. Many years. It doesn't years. seem real. It is a bit weird, isn't it? The, um, the BBC did a little thing, um, which is all of the things that have happened since Wenger took <laughs> over at Arsenal 22 <laughs> years ago. Things like uh, the Spice Girls, the iPod. <laughs> all these things Amazing. that have happened since Wenger took over at Arsenal. Ridiculous. Yeah, that is incredible, isn't it? Good old Wenger. Well, I think it's a bit of a sad situation, in fact, the way that he's left, because... He has he has done some fantastic stuff for that club, but it's all ended in rather sour terms, hasn't it? It's really annoying that that, that all of the, the the vicious, vindictive Arsenal fans who were like waving the Wenger out placards everywhere they possibly can yeah. are now giving it this. Oh yeah, thank you so much. Oh, and all of this. Oh, just fuck off. Like know. you know, at least at least show your colours. Like stay, you know, be consistent. Um, but anyway, look, you know, either way, you know, he has he has been one of the greatest managers of all time, and they're are going to have a very difficult job replacing him. Off to uh, off to Everton for Big Veng. Is that likely? <laughs> Why not? Is that is that going to happen? Why the hell not? Yeah, yeah. get Big Veng over there. And then is he even Allardyce, Allardyce out? Is he even interested in staying in, in football? I don't know. Allardyce has got a two-year contract at Everton, though, didn't he? When did contracts mean? Well, that's true. That's very true. That's to very anyone, true. I think there's talk of Wenger going to Paris Saint-Germain in some capacity, not not as as manager, but as okay. Uh, Maybe as director of football or something it's similar. Tom, Thomas Tuchel's French buddy. Yeah. They can hang out together there in Paris, signing exactly. two hundred and fifty million pound players. In in talking of which, as a side note to PSG, I saw a fantastic rumor today: Neymar to Man United. Now, <laughs> to be fair, I've I pretty much since Neymar went to PSG, yeah. I've seen weekly a, a a rumor that he's off somewhere. He's not happy. He's going to Brazil. He's not happy. He's coming going to back to Barca and all of this stuff. It's, so, so, it's all nonsense. I, what, I heard an interesting one, which was that the only reason uh, Neymar left Barcelona was that he wanted to go to Madrid and he didn't want to go straight there from Barcelona. Really? Which is an interesting. Oh, if one. true. Disgraceful yeah. behaviour. I love stuff like this. <laughs> I really do. It's like <laughs> it's the closest yeah. we normal people get to soap operas. I know. <laughs> like, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there you go. So I think uh, Wenger out could be uh, the thing. I think that the Arsenal fans maybe haven't quite realised is that they're on the merry-go-round now. Like they're all moaning about yep. the situation with Wenger, but now they're on the same boat as everybody else with ridiculous transfers and managers coming in every five minutes and the whole totally. thing. The thing is, they got, they're gonna have to do that though because they they can't do this this this. Well, they can and they might prove me wrong, but everybody who has attempted to do this reset, let's go for a kind of similar manager to the last one we have had thing, kind of just has fallen on its ass. Yeah. So I, I think they're just going to have to go for a. A name, a footballing name. Somebody. Marco Silva? 
it could be anyone really, couldn't I, it? I mean. Yeah, and talking of which, a big managerial movements. Stephen Gerrard to Rangers. Pick this one apart. Now that is that is a risky old move for Stephen Gerrard, not least because he's he's going to massively cheese off the the Catholic uh, yeah, element isn't there of, some kind of, of, of Liverpool link between Liverpool and Celtic. Is mm. that the is that the Catholic thing? I don't, I don't think there's an official link between the two clubs, but I I think there's a there's a, a kind of respect between the two clubs, and there is this Catholic link. Right, yeah, because yeah, there I mean, are a lot of Irish uh, Catholics that support Liverpool, for example. Yeah, and there's a lot of Irish Catholic immigrants in in Liverpool who have set up home in Liverpool, like you know, generationally yeah, okay. speaking. So I think there's a lot of history, a lot of ties in history between the clubs and between Liverpool supporters in in the whole Celtic and they, the Ireland thing. So. They they both sing "You'll Never Walk Alone" in the stands. <laughs> that is true. Another. Having said that, having said that, any twat who brings religion into football can fuck off anyway. Yeah. Um. And and Stephen Gerrard is is obviously within his rights, and you know, given what he has done for Liverpool over his career, is well within his rights to do what the fuck he likes in terms of picking a managerial decision that that will you know that is best for his career although i disagree with him that this is it because sure. because i mean it's, it's it's a weird league anyway um rangers are still trying to drag themselves up from having having to restart yeah. all over again um i don't know i just i can't see how that i can't see, the only way that's going to be success is running um celtic close or winning the title anything other than that if you finish a third fourth or fifth anything other than that it's going to look like a failure that, so yeah. That that is the difficulty. Difficulty, and I agree. It's it's a really ballsy move from Gerard because, to a certain extent, he's uh, he's on a hiding to nowhere. I mean, I, as you say, unless they um, either win the league, which I don't think is going to happen, or uh, push Celtic very close, I think people will look on 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 his performance as a as a failure which is which one is thing i think is is uh quite clever about that move is that it means that he can start his manager, managerial career at a big club which is a very well known and big club without it being a big club in a big league so he avoids he cuts out that window where he might have to go and manage you know, burn Albion for a year or whatever. He cuts that straight out. He's managing Rangers, so in and that, that respect, it, it just notches him up the chain a little bit. And that is true. Mm. Um, but it also the, that is you know that carries inherent risk, and oh, yeah. you are much better off doing something like a like a Southgate thing or something like that, being an assistant at a big club. Um, like a proper first assistant, and Paul then Clement. making and then making a step up into the uh, into, the big into time, the big, yeah. yeah that's what but about. but you know the but he. I don't know. It is it is loaded with risk. But interestingly, when when Oxford United were looking for a manager for for eight and a half months earlier this season, um, Gerard's name had been bandied around. I think everyone's name. Well, everybody. That's very true. But people, whilst Gerard's name was being bandied around, lots of people, including lots of people at Liverpool, who are saying he's not ready to move into management yet. And it wasn't. It wasn't them being derogatory towards Oxford United or anything. They were just saying he's not. They they didn't even think he was ready to go you to Oxford United. You almost did that in an accent, didn't you? Did I? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that was, that was subconscious. If it was, it sounded um, like you were going to go for it. But yeah, no, they um like basically that he that he wasn't even ready for Oxford United. Right. Which okay. is you know yeah. which which. So so it's a it's a it's a big move. It's a strange move. He's not had that much in terms of coaching experience yet. So we'll see how it goes. I think I think it's pretty much just a year coaching the um, uh, Liverpool youth team. 
so it's not it's <laughs> yeah. not much really. it's like the 18s as well isn't it it's not like yeah. the under 23s either yeah. so it's going to be interesting for Stevie G. Mm. Uh, furthermore, in big uh, movements around the world, Wayne Rooney signed a contract with Washington DC, which is essentially just his retirement, isn't it? I mean, that's that's just basically right. I'm, it, I'm done now. Doesn't it seem young for Rooney to be retiring? I know he's been around forever, but he's still, you know, he's a he's a fairly young chap. Well, he, he start he started his career early, and I think there was a lot of stress and strain on his body at a very early age. Um, and and even 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 when he was running around at eighteen years old at Everton, he had the body of a thirty seven year old. That he did. <laughs> that he did. <laughs> yeah, that could be, that could well be part of it. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. I think it'll be a nice little nice little jaunt for Wayne mm. for the yeah. family. I mean, it's a little bit of a shame that the, the move to Everton didn't work out for him because I mean, I thought that that looked like it was yeah, it was a nice little good, return home and stuff. But but he just hasn't had the game time there, has he? No, it hasn't really worked out in the way that you'd have expected to at Everton. But what can you do? And also, what can you do about Manchester City running away with the Premier League and today, in the last game of the season, hitting the 100-point mark for the first time in the first division uh, ever in all its forms? I think 98 was the previous highest total. Pretty impressive, regardless of all of the bullshit behind Man City's rise to power. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive to get the hundred points in the season. Yeah, and also they've 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 broken the the number of wins record as well, haven't they? Yeah. I understand. So yeah, no fair play. I mean, I was deliberately dismissive and piss achy about them in the last podcast, just because I've seen them twice and both times they were shit. <laughs> um, but they, yeah, I mean, an incredible performance, an incredible season. I remember when in um, when. Pep first came over. Everyone was saying was everybody actually started thinking is Pep Guardiola a bit, a bit of a bl- busted flush already? So soon, so soon in his illustrious career, is that maybe he has achieved everything he's going to achieve? And he's kind of they almost people were even suggesting maybe he's lost it, but absolutely none of it. Um, yeah, I, it was. Um, I, I think he really did answer his critics this season. Last season was, uh, I guess, for him a bit of a disappointment. Uh, and for the club, um, as the expectations were so high, but he they've really roared back this season. I was just having a quick look at some of the records that they've broken this season. Um, so they they broke the um, consecutive win record, eighteen wins in a row. Bloody Jesus! Um, and the previous record was fifteen. Um, so that's smashed that one. They Jesus, got, I can't even get 18 on Champo. They got, <laughs> in real life. they got the most goals scored, 106 this season. Blimey. Uh, most wins, 32 wins. Third, um, they won 32 out of the 38 available matches. Yeah. Get drew, out. Drew six, uh, lost two, I think. They've... they've Hold on. That's 40. Uh, uh, lost... <laughs> no, lost two, drew... Four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, that's my maths. Nice. That's that is outrageous behaviour. Uh, most and there's all kinds. Uh, it's the highest um, goal difference as well, plus seventy nine. <laughs> Bloody hell! It's not bad. So yeah, so very well done, Man City. Congratulations. Uh, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. If I had that much money to spend, I'd probably do quite nicely as well myself. No such luck in the lower leagues, but there was luck uh, for Tranmere Rovers, who were finally promoted back where they belong into the Football League. Andy, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, that's really good news. It was it was really sad to see a club the size of Tranmere disappear out of the Football League. And now lots of large clubs have 
done that in recent years. And I'm going to count Oxford United in that. Oxford United, Luton Town, um, Grimsby, um, and... Uh, there's probably loads I'm forgetting in that in that yeah. list as well, but lo- lots of decent sized football clubs have gone out by there. For for me, Tranmere are, are, are the biggest of all of those to have to have dropped out. Um, they were they were in the playoff final against Boreham Wood, Boreham Wood Town, I think, and Boreham Wood average under th- under seven hundred. Wow. Um, and, and and the idea of a club like that <laughs> going into the football league is is, is absolutely bonkers. Um, so fantastic that Tranmere did it. Uh, interestingly, Tranmere had a man sent off in the in the first minute of that game. Yes, it was like, like fifty two <laughs> seconds into it, he came lunging in with this massive two foot tackle. Oh, I mean, man. for your 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 big moment to th- after three years in the wilderness to, to get your chance to come back into the football league and somebody in your team does that, that would yes. drive you mental. But he, but he, they still did it. He must be the the most relieved man in Tranmere big time big time after they they won anyway yeah we um, we actually played Tranmere on their way down Um, so we passed them as we were leaving going up about League 2 and they were going down League 2 and they were comfortably the worst side that I've ever seen play football honestly they were they were really 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 bad (laughs) they were a club in major trouble so just to reiterate it's great to see Tranmere back yeah, excellent stuff. And in other note, uh, with the promotion and relegation battles around uh, the league, John, you had a great stat for us. Uh, yeah, so um, I heard that um, this season, none of the teams that were promoted last season um, have gone down again. In so, any league? Or, or across the top four English leagues. That is pretty good. I don't know what yeah. that means, really. What does it mean? You could probably swing you could, it both ways. Yeah, and you could probably try and find a whole whole bunch of things that that's, that that you know. That, but actually, it's just no, it's just a coincidence, isn't it? It's mm. just a thing yeah, that has I happened. Guess it is. Yeah. It's just a thing that's happened. Um, well, well, I mean, the three the three Premier League teams. Um, uh, this is the third, only the third time that it's happened that all three really okay. stayed up um, that that were promoted um, last time in twenty twenty twelve, I think. Um, so it doesn't happen very often. Andy, not to go too deep into the uh, into the economics and politics of, uh, of of professional football in the UK, but do you feel like now the fact that we do have teams traversing all the leagues and over a course of seasons you might have a Premier League team that ends up in League One or something like that, that the trickle-down economics of the system that were put in place to do exactly this, to feed money into the lower leagues, do you feel that is working? Or do you feel that somewhere along the line there are teams that are still not benefiting from any of that? Um, I I don't think anybody sees the benefit of of that of that money below the championship, save from teams who have come straight back straight down into League One from the Premier League through the Championship and into League One, and that money sticks around. And that so the thirty four million quid um, that. Um, Sunderland. Sunderland are going to have to spend if they get to spend it. Yeah. Um, is is the the trouble is is that money is not going to be bouncing around League One. That is not money because in the Premier League, when somebody spends big in the Premier League, all of that money bounces around amongst the teams in the Premier League yeah. and maybe to a couple of overseas sides. But in League One, that that money's that money that Sunderland have is going back up to the Championship and going up to the Premier League to try and bring players in like that. Um, so. So once you get out of the championship, you just don't see any of that money. Um, the clubs coming through those leagues are on free fall, generally speaking, and they're not spending money because they've usually had some horrendous kind of financial mismanagement. So um, there is still a massive 
well, an increasing unfair distribution of the wealth in the English football tier. Um, is that is that because the the parachute payments from the Championship are not commensurate with those in the Premier League? Because you said like discounting the Championship, because I think there's a very good argument to say that the Championship is significantly better quality today and produces more money today than it did 10 years ago. So I think that certainly for the championship, you look at the quality of players now that you get in the championship, some of the wages that are being paid there, it is a Premier League too, you know, it is a mini Premier League now. And surely if that worked in the championship, then over a period of time that should trickle down. Now I do realise that the whole thing is madness with the amount of money that we're talking about. But it, the disparity needs to be shrunk, you know, in order to keep things in check. And I and I think I think there's a there's a there's a good case there um, that what's happening in the Championship is because so much so much money is available in the Premier League, and so many players are coming in from overseas, which I don't have a problem with. It's not this is not like a kind of an anti-foreign players rant. This in particular, Care, but, careful. Um, but no, I, I, I don't have a problem with it. But the um um. But the, what what that means is is there's so much so many of the high quality English players who would have been playing in the, the the lower half of the Premier League in the olden days are now playing in the Championship. So you've got a high, higher quality of footballer base who are playing in the Championship just because there are so many high quality players now flooding the Premier League from from overseas. Yeah. Um, I don't think there are enough players in Europe or whatever to make that extend then down into the the league one league two what you do occasionally get is and one of the other problems is is the fact that then the premier league clubs are also massively hoarding players yeah and they're also we won't have to go argument 60 70 players per team um is is nonsensical occasionally you get the old one the odd one here or there who who get a run out but they're short-term runouts in League One and League Two, and that's yeah. it. And it's just nonsense. I thought I heard today. I think this is right. That, that Juventus have forty players on loan this season. Forty. Yeah. It's just nonsense. Which is it's quite incredible. It's a Chelsea Chelsea situation. It is, on. and yeah. Yeah, it clearly hasn't worked out for Chelsea, who are a club in a very strange <laughs> position. Uh, they uh, finished the league obviously uh, as champions last year, and this year they failed to qualify for Champions League just a few minutes ago, losing. 3-1 to Dondo Shelby's Newcastle. Uh, and once again, Andy, bossing the midfield for the Geordies. Yeah, yeah, get him on the plane. <laughs> get him on the plane. I'm right, get, get him, him on, on the plane. So, talking of that, I think that's rounded up what's been going on in and around football uh, around the UK. Uh, and now we're going to get on to some international stuff because things are starting to hot up with the World Cup. The adverts are on the telly. The Panini sticker books are on the Tesco shelves. And the boys are ready to talk about England and our chances at the World Cup. So we're just going to take a short break and then we'll be right back to talk about England. I think Sturridge has got goals. Rooney's got goals. Wilbeck's got goals. Sterling's got goals. They'll score goals. Well, I hope they do score goals because we're about to start looking at the team that's going to actually be heading over to Russia. And... uh, I noticed uh, over the last few days that there's a few outliers that we didn't even think about uh, over the last few weeks that could be on the bus, and a few players that have been injured recently. One player that won't be going, before we get into those that might, your friend uh, Michael Carrick, Andy. Yeah, it's interesting, because Michael Carrick has uh, retired now from from football, um, his last game for Manchester United today. Um, And just interestingly... I was looking at his stats. He's this is a guy who played thirty-four games for England. I'm not one hundred percent sure how many of those games have been it 
it champ, you know, yeah. like major tournaments. Not very many, I don't think. But for for a player who has basically anchored the midfield for Manchester United for over a decade, has won the Champions League, has won I think four or five league champ Premier League titles in in, in that space of time. Yeah. It is it's really surprising that that guy has had as little time in the England setup as he has. Well, I, I I would just say that there were, you know, we were blessed with um, pretty good midfielders during that time. Skulls, Beckham, Nicky Butt, David Batty. I, exactly. I, I agree, but but what have we achieved with any of those right, people? Yeah, you know, and, I, and we've we have, World Cup we've quarter final in two thousand two. Um, you, yeah, you, but you, we're talking Euro semi-final nineteen ninety-six. Yeah, but that's not that's that's not that's not Michael Carrick's career time, <laughs> no. though, is it? No, I just he think about the best young. ones we've ever had, and yeah. that's it. Yeah, because yeah, Michael Carrick's what? I mean, he's in Manchester United for twelve years, so that's from about two thousand two or something. Two thousand and six, he, he joined okay, Manchester yeah, United. So, yeah. so and since two thousand and six, it's mostly been shit for England, um, and so I think one could argue that we have not been managing our midfield well enough and maybe that's one of the reasons I don't I mean I'm just throwing it up there he's uh, Carrick's yeah. one of those players that doesn't doesn't obviously do a lot and that's uh, <laughs> I, I don't mean that it's a to damning sound, indictment of Michael Carrick's I career don't, I don't mean that to sound negative but he's not he's not the kind of player that takes um, the, the games by the scruff of the neck or, or kind of We'll but run maybe past the, half a dozen players, and but maybe know. this is a problem. Is is we spend all our time looking for those kinds of players when yeah. actually you want players who are just there doing a job quietly, getting on with business. And Michael Carrick is that. And and the great thing is that players like that allow other, maybe more talented players to to kind of do what they do. Yeah, but I think if you look at the great teams over the last few years, the teams that have really done well at international level, they've had midfielders that have done much, so much more than that. Mm. Patrick Vieira, for example, when France were playing really, really well, is a special player that does both jobs. He passes the ball, he defends well, he gets the ball moving forward as well. He does both jobs, you know. And for a time, Daniela De Rossi was doing the same thing so, in so like, Italy. Uh, like Eric Dyer, you mean? <laughs> don't get me started on Eric Dyer. <laughs> I, just, I, just don't, I just don't think that's how you have to play football. And, and, and I think it's absolutely fine for an international team to have a guy who's just quietly going about his business yeah, and I gets, think we gets have, a job done under the radar. I think we can have one. Yeah, and, and, and I think we can have one yeah, of those. Yeah, and, and that, you have that central defensive midfielder person, yes. like Owen Hargreaves, who was who was absolutely incredible in that role. Yeah. Um, and you could have had somebody like Michael Carrick doing that job when we were sat there trying to work out whether how we, which of Gerard and Lampard we yes. would put at the front yes. of the diamond, which to trying to put a fucking attacking midfielder at the back of a what a ridiculous notion yeah, to get madness. into when you had a man who was sat there who was just nailed on. Perfect for that position. I don't know, nonsense. Well, right? time, has, time has made fools of all of us and it's made fools of Michael Carrick. So off he pops and we'll probably see him on Sky Sports News spitting out of the window of a Range Rover before we <laughs> know it. Uh, talk, moving on to uh, some of the lads that will be uh, potentially making uh, the trip over to Russia. I noticed on the BBC website today uh, a little uh, thing popped up that allows you to create your own starting eleven. And as the team will be announced on Wednesday, I thought we'd have a crack at our first uh, starting eleven for... 
the World Cup in Russia, and then we'll see how that goes against Gareth's choices. What do you reckon? Yeah, I like the idea of this. Uh, just check quickly who is our who are our first opposition because obviously I I want to make sure that I'm picking the right team for the for the opposition because I know that much about international football. It, it's Tunisia. Oh yeah, Tunisia. which that's easy. Tunisia, yeah, Panama, and then, and then Belgium. And then Belgium. Yeah, so Tunisia on the 18th of June. I'll say uh, Tunisia play a very defensive setup. They had not, no idea, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we can safely Just assume... pick our 11 best players and stick them out there. I think we can safely assume that every team that comes up against England is going to play yep. a very defensive formation. <laughs> yeah. So I think we can be well prepared for that. Uh, but I think, first of all, I, I'm expecting Gareth to play in this uh, sort of Three five two formation that he's been very uh, mm-hmm. fond of recently. So I think we're going to pick mm. based on the three five two. If everyone's happy with that, yeah. yeah, I am happy with that. Right. So let's go first to the goalkeeper, Jordan now, Pickford. Give me a second. No. The way this is going to work oh, okay. is okay. that there's a series of choices that are given to us on the website, which is quite good because it means we can't go too left field. So we're given mm-hmm. a set of choices. I'm going to give you the choices. The new lads can can pick one from uh, the list. So we have Jack Butland, Joe Hart. Tom Heaton, Jordan Pickford, and Nick Pope. Pick Pickford, please. Yeah, Jordan. Going to be Pickford. Yeah, I mean, I think Jack Butland's probably the only other option. But I've I've seen too too many kind of juggling clown howlers from him. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're both young, him and Pickford. So I mean, there's an element of risk picking either of them, but. But Pickford for me. Pickford's in the team. So on the right-hand side of the uh, three centre-backs, this is a position that has been uh, popularised by Kyle Walker in recent games. Are we happy with uh, with Kyle Absolutely. in that spot? I, I think the last two friendlies that we played where he played in that position, I thought he was excellent. And I, I, he really yeah. added added a lot to the, uh, to the centre uh, centre of the defence I'm a really big fan of playing him there and I'm also yeah. a big fan of Southgate doing something a little bit wacky yeah. with it I like it um, Kyle Walker would be my first defender on the team sheet without any hesitation yeah. I think. well there he goes and who's going to be behind him this I imagine in the central centre defence position needs to be a rock needs to be a man mountain with great perception great understanding and reading of the game but also good enough pace to drop back and sweep up after uh, through balls what do we think you're not talking about John Stones, are you? I, I literally don't know who I'm describing because they're not on the <laughs> I, I think you're talking about Gary Cahill, aren't you there? Right. He Solid. will get nowhere near any team of mine. <laughs> and I'm clicking the buttons. I mean, I, 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 I Stones, I would have thought. So uh, in that position, you've got the options of uh, Phil Jones, Michael Keane, Harry Maguire, Alfie Mawson. Uh, Chris Smalling, Jonathan Stone. I mean, Maguire has had an excellent season, and Leicester oh, yes. finished now what seventh, ninth? Yeah. I mean, they've had a, that's a, that's a great season. season yeah. Um, and so I think he's got a shout, but is he just a bit inexperienced? I don't know. Well, look, Le- Leicester did concede five today. I think the problem I mean, that we've had. Point. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's not great. I think the problem that we've had is that a lot of these players that we were getting very excited about haven't really like John Stones hasn't had the game time that we'd have hoped he had him at no, City. True. And Chris Smalling, I think, has had a pretty bad season all told, like quality wise. So I'm not sure I'm super happy about either of those, but just for the sake of like building a young team that that maybe needs to have somebody that's gonna play in that position for a long time, I'm thinking about putting Stones in to be our to be our boy gut, back. gut feeling is Stones and Stones has actually been round the mill with England a few times as well so I think yes. you know he knows he knows the ropes I think Stones is in the squad in the, in the lineup, and on the left of the back three 
same group of players, obviously. I think this one might have to be a pick between Keane, Maguire, Mawson, Smalling. I, I'd go for Maguire myself. I'd go for Maguire I like as being well. Harry Maguire. Yeah, I'd stick go him in Maguire. there. He's a good old-fashioned English player, isn't he? He is. Now, looking at these wing-backs, now this is an area where England is actually uh, bestowed with talent at the moment. We've got a number of great choices for the left and right-back berths. Uh, and I think given that Walker is in our back three, we'll start at the right back. Are we are we talking about Trent Alexander-Arnold, John? Um, I personally would, um, although it is probably a bit too early for him. I mean, this is essentially his first season as a Liverpool first-teamer. Um, and although he's he's done exceptionally well in, in a lot of games, he's had a couple of shaky moments as well. Um particularly in the uh, second leg of the Champions League semi-final against Roma. Yeah, he was targeted he... a bit, wasn't he? Well, yeah, it's it's annoying because in the first leg he played brilliantly, but the second leg he um, yeah, he had a, a few shaky moments. Who were the other options? Well, you've got Nathaniel Klein, who's just come back from a major injury. Mm. Uh, you've obviously you've got uh, you've got the option of someone like Eric Dyer or somebody who like that who's a kind of uh, you know uh, utility player in that position Tri- or Trippier. Trippier. Yeah. I, I'd probably go for Trippier myself. I think Nathaniel again, fantastic player, but he's struggled with injuries recently. I mean, I think it's it's a position where you can probably take a little bit more. You can probably take a little bit more of a risk, given that. But I think of your wing backs, take a risk with one of them and somebody solid on the other side. Yes, just on the basis that you will still have a back four, if you like. So if yeah. one of them's struggling, um, because also because the amount of attacking flair midfield, attacking flair central midfielders and strikers and stuff that we've got, um, I, th- I think that person, if they go missing in that respect. It isn't a big loss, if, if that makes sense. So I think yeah. Yeah, you yeah. can, on one side or the other, I think you can take a bit of a risk. Well, to that end, I'm thinking Trippier on the right and then uh, Danny Rose on the left. Has he had much football this season, he Danny has, Rose? He has not. I, I, he, he did struggle in the middle of the season with some injuries. I, um, I'd i lean towards Ashley Young. I think he's had a fantastic season. He's um, He annoys the shit out of me. He's a consummate pro. <laughs> yeah... Oh, there's something about him that just winds me up. You ready? Yeah. I th- I, 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 Is that a good enough reason? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a great reason. I, I wonder if Southgate's got that on a post-it note. Like, really good. Fucking winds, the, winds me up. Well annoying. All right. Well, we'll put Ashley Young in there at the risk of, uh, of upsetting uh, Gareth. But we're now on to the most troublesome area, the midfield three, mm-hmm. the triumvirate. Um, Eric Dyer goes in there straight away. You need you need a bit of defensive solidity in there. So Eric Dyer, yeah, yeah, get out. Well, are you are going to go in with three wild, like rampaging, attacking midfielders? No, are you? but well, I'm going to have, well, have, have a better. Well, who have... who then? Danny Drinkwater straight away. No, come on, a better player. Oh, come on, he, he's he's played. Has he played he's any played, football this season. He's played about forty five minutes for Chelsea. Captain Jack. Uh, again, he's he hasn't. Played that much and and hasn't always been that brilliant. Hendo, always. Yeah, Come I mean, on. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I completely forgot about Hendo. I mean, he's, he's a triple lock, isn't he? I just, I'm just saying this if to wind look, Matt up. If we're looking, 
if we're looking at really boring players to not do anything and pass the ball sideways, Henderson must be your man. That's he must that, be. My, my defence of Eric uh, of, of Eric of Michael Carrick was not because he's a boring midfielder and passes sideways <laughs> in, in any way, shape, or form. Um, I'm going to put Hendo in the middle of that of okay. that three. To be fair, I mean, and, and again, talking about one of the reasons why we've chosen Stones is that somebody who's been involved in, yeah. with England and been round the mill a few times who knows their way around, and Jordan Henderson does that. So, Right, now we're looking at two players next to Henderson that can make things happen, can make things tick and move the ball around that midfield. These, so, these, these are your classy passers. So would you mm-hmm. go Would you go with with two more attacking midfielders in, in the centre of midfield? John, John Joe isn't even on the list. No. <laughs> That's extremely disappointing. What, what does the BBC That is very know? disappointing. He's not even there. Oh, John Joe. Maybe they've got him in the striker section. We'll see. <laughs> that is very disappointing. Um, uh, they've got players in here like Adam Lana, Jesse Lingard, Jake Livermore, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, uh, Captain Jack... Uh, Danny Drinkwater, Eric Dyer, Lewis Cook, those type of players are in there. Um, Ross Barkley. Uh, I mean, uh, jumping out from that list is is Jesse Lingard. Um, I don't know how much he's played this season, but but everything I've seen of him has been been wonderful. So what about what about playing Delhi Alley in a slightly uh, in a slightly deeper role in the effort that maybe we'll have a midfielder that wants to go forward a bit. Yeah, I I don't know if he's able to do that. I th- I think he's he often plays a fairly free role for Tottenham, so he doesn't really have much defensive work to do. And I I think particularly against the better teams, we might struggle putting him. We're talking about Tunisia here, John. Uh, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> then yeah, it's fine. I just think that maybe why not have have a have a more creative player a little bit deeper because we've got the attacking talent. We know that we've got yeah, a yeah. whole bunch of attacking players to choose from. I'm thinking maybe we'll stick Deli Ali in, and then in the other role, somebody more like you know Yelingard, perhaps yeah. in that other position in midfield. Or Dyer. Look, he's on the bench, <laughs> and he should be very happy with that situation, right? And now, uh, and now, I'm up. just going to just going to throw this out there. Yeah. I'm willing to put a pound on it. Go on. That that Eric Dyer will start for England against Tunisia. I know it's because uh, I think he's so well. boring, and I think he'll play a brilliant game. No, he, he hasn't he played any. He's rubbish. What's he done? What's he done? He, you see, you've got nothing. He scored a great header. For you've England. got nothing. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. If we're going to have a player that doesn't do anything, let's have one that might do something. No, well, you, Jack, you, Jack don't, Wilshire. you do not need to fill your team with people who create things. That's not how football Can works. Can we have Captain Jack in the team? I don't, I don't like him. You don't like Captain Jack? No, I don't. I, I mean, to be fair, he's always injured for a start. Yeah, so, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty we, useless. It's absolutely pointless putting somebody in who's played no football this season and will get injured straight away. Quite. Hey, and that is a classic England trope. Right? <laughs> well, that's, that's <laughs> and that's point. worked so well for us, hasn't <laughs> that's it? That's the yeah. point, and I, I think that's one of the one of the things that Southgate has has done time and time again. He's gone against the the traditional thinking, um, particularly with the England team. Oh, hello, hello. Sorry, someone's on. We, who's who's on? Was that was yes. that Captain Jack trying to defend himself? <laughs> yeah, it, was my, it was my dad. So it's the BBC apologising for not having John Joe Shelby in there. Uh... Bloody well, because he'd been writing there. I mean, so just looking at this across the midfield, there I've got I've got Deli Ali, Jordan Henderson, and Jesse Lingard in that midfield three. 
I mean, it all sounds good apart from John Henderson, doesn't it? I know, but he, he has to be there. And then up top, in this formation, it's a two, but imagine it would really be one off the other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm thinking... Harold Kane? Yeah. yeah he, Obviously Harry Kane. And who uh, fills the last attacking spot? This is, I suppose, the more loose attacking midfield I, role. I guess it depends on whether you want to do it as a uh, somebody in a free free role or whether you want to put it somebody in the kind of the number 10 kind of thing who's who's there is a, an anchor for, for, for Harry Kane you're Adam Lallana yeah for example he's, I really like Adam Lallana but he just too. can't ever stay fit whenever he's on the pitch you think bloody hell he's really good and he's one of the few England players that when you see him he's, his touch is like a continental player like he's got continental technique mm. which I think is amazing an English mm. player but he's just never on the pitch long enough to make a difference if we can have it if we were having this as a, a wild creative free role and I know yeah. he, I know he's wide normally but but give him give him the freedom to go off and do some crazy stuff is is Marcus Rashford Yes. For for me, this position has to be between Rashford and Sterling. Well, um, well it's funny because Sterling, I think, has, has been in less favour at Man City over the recent weeks. And, the, and the Rashford eventually... Is getting a bit of uh, getting a bit of time at Man United, and he started today. As we were talking about in the last pod, why mm. isn't he starting? He starts today and scores a goal for Man United. They win the match. Course, yeah, he'll still be on the subs bench for the FA Cup final, though, won't he? <laughs> it's an unbelievable situation. I think just for that reason alone, we should have him in our squad because yep. he deserves to be there. And that, that seems harsh on Sterling, though. <laughs> it does, <laughs> Do but, I mean? but I think he'd be a fantastic package off the off the bench. I think either of them would be, and I think yeah. that's one yeah. of the things that we, we we need to remember is that that we have now in terms of that those positions of such a wealth of talent that we have the ability when a game's not going right to bring somebody of that kind of talent yep. off the bench. Mm. It's something that we've never done before. I remember watching countless like like Germany and Italy and Brazil teams who and in Spain teams over the last like 10, 15 years when they're bringing people on, they go, holy shit, they've got him on the bench. Yeah. Um and Yeah, Spain in like the seventy fifth minute brings on Fernando Torres. Like, yeah. Shit. And we and what we what we do is we try and cram all of our best players into the starting eleven, even if that means they have to be out out of position, yeah. and therefore we've got we don't have that ability to bring somebody on in that 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 kind of moment. And so. I think one thing I like about this uh, South Coast formation is it actually gives us great flexibility, and that those two wing backs can be converted into wingers. Yes. You just take off uh, Ashley Young and you bring on Raheem Sterling, and all of a sudden you're a much more attacking side. So yep. just imagine that though. I just imagine that bringing Raheem Sterling on oh, in the, great, in the World it? Cup. I mean, it's that's just great. having that having that kind of depth yeah. of talent. Is, is great well we haven't even got Jamie Vardy in that team and I think Vardy's a fantastic player and you know he will score goals ring if he's on yep. pitch you know? he, he's your classic 65th 70th yeah. minute sub because um, Harry Kane can blow hot and cold can't he like mm-hmm. sometimes Harry Kane won't be in a match and then mm. bring on Vardy and play a lot of balls but in behind that's that's yep. what centre forwards are and that's what centre yep. forwards do don't they I mean they you know, they, they rarely even people like Van Nistelrooy was, wasn't sticking him in every single game you occasionally have games where they just they just it doesn't happen um, and again yeah and, and, and Jamie Vardy has a role to play and he will do something really good yeah, for England at some sure. point in this yeah. World Cup no yeah. doubt about it well I'm quite happy with this lineup, guys uh, we have Jordan Pickford in goal we have Trippier as the flying right back we have Walker Stones and Maguire across the midfield and Ashley Young as that sort of defensive winger on the left hand side across the midfield Ali Henderson and Lingard and then in a free roll roaming around helping out uh, our striker Harry Kane is Marcus Rashford 
that's not bad, is it? Pretty pleased with that, yeah. Is it's it? Decent. Is it? I, I is think it, it bad? We should. <laughs> it seems all right. We should be good enough for Tunisia, I think. <laughs> the problem with, is, with Tunisia <clears throat> and Panama is much like many of the teams that England spends a lot of their time playing, they will play incredibly deep. Yeah. And we'll have to somehow find out a way to score a goal against them. And we don't. And we don't deal with that well. Um, and that's why I'm. I, you know, and I, I know we're not allowed to talk about Iceland, but I remember when we drew. When we when when we ended up. Co- coming up against them the second we knew that we were, had Iceland to play I knew that was it because we it was, I can't remember who the, the, the alternative was Portugal wasn't it I think it was yes, either them yeah. or Portugal yeah because Wales played Portugal That's of course right. they did um, yeah it would have been and, 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 and I, I I think we would have beaten Portugal I just I, but I knew the second we had Iceland I knew we were going to struggle because they were the most defensive team of the tournament already yes. and everybody had defended massively massively against us and we struggled in every single game well Andy you are allowed to talk about Iceland in fact you're going to talk about them a lot more because when we come back from this break I'm going to test your footballing and England knowledge by getting you boys to name the starting 11 from that Iceland match holy shit and we'll be back right after this little break Kick them up and down the training pitch. Right, we are back and we are going to do our weekly quiz where I test these guys England and football knowledge by asking them to name a specific starting 11 from a very specific match. And this time it is the England versus Iceland game from the last World Cup where we, uh, sorry, the Euros, where we were horribly dumped out. So this this is going to be a problem for me because this is right in the heart of my... I, I don't watch any Premier League football and I haven't watched any England games phase of my life. Which so I think this was June 2016. Yeah, okay. So just a couple of years ago. Uh, and uh, we're gonna, I'm going to just let you guys have a think about that for a second mm-hmm. uh, because I'm going to name a couple of players who were on the subs bench. Ooh, just to, just okay. to tease you. Okay. Just to tease you a little okay. bit. Uh, these are subs that did not feature okay. during that match. Tom Heaton. Who? Goalkeeper. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ryan Bertrand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ross Barkley was hanging around the squad at that uh-huh. time. We didn't even mention him in our in our perspective lineup there. Because uh, he's finished. And of course, James Milner, Adam Lana, on the bench, did not get involved in this terrible defeat. So who did? Who oh. was responsible? Well, I can tell you who did was. You in... say, sorry, did you say James Milner didn't feature? Did not feature. Okay, oh. interesting. I, I can tell you who was in goal because he let in a absolute shocking goal yes um joe hart it's our friend joe yeah yeah okay so i, I i'm, I'm going to struggle to do this back to front um so i'm just going to pick out some of the get some of the players who i know featured um i'm 100 i'm, I'm 90 percent sure uh he started and that's wayne rooney he did and he scored a penalty within about a few seconds was that right oh, see I didn't even remember that part of it yeah we were 1-0 up in the well, bloody no, I, game well I remember I know I remember that I remember that we were winning I just don't remember that detail yeah I think I it just, was a Wayne Rooney penalty yeah okay um, I just remember just again just while I think about it, he there was just one moment in the second half when we were chasing the game and somebody played an easy pass to him and he dropped back to the halfway line somebody just played a simple pass to him and he just put his foot out to control it and he just missed it <laughs> he just missed the ball and at that point, I felt oh, sorry for Roy Hodgson because you're like, I mean, how can you legislate yeah, for Wayne yeah, Rooney doing no, that? It's just. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, okay, so. Um, can I give you another clue? Okay. Uh, some of the players that you were advocating for just a moment ago. Um, yeah, okay, so Jordan Henderson, I assume. No, Henderson was not. No. Henderson, Wilshire I think, then? Wilshire was definitely. Wilshire playing. came off the bench. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. but he did wow, not really? start. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think Raheem start, Sterling. Yeah, Raheem Sterling was in the, was in the starting uh, lineup. 
Another forgotten man. We didn't even mention him up front. Oh, uh, oh, I know. Uh, Welbeck. No. Sturridge? No. Sturridge. Yes, Danny yeah. Sturridge. Yeah, okay. I, if I remember, he had an absolute howler. In that yeah. Match. Yeah, so you had uh, Rooney, Sturridge, uh, Harry Kane and uh, Raheem Sterling up there. And then uh, you obviously had Joe Hart in midfield. Now, the back four was a back four that we kind of had for a while around that time and was not terribly effective. So, Gary Cahill? Yes. Um, was it... What's his face from Everton? No. Was it was... It was... Uh, it was Man United centre-back. Jones. No, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it was Chris yeah. Smalling. Smalling, yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. It's a terrifyingly inept <laughs> back two there of yeah. Cahill and Smalling. My word. I mean, Jesus. I mean, that is frightening. Right back... Um, has to be Walker, doesn't it? It was Carl Walker. Yeah. And left back... Um, uh, Danny Rose. Was Danny Rose. Yeah. So, you know, I think the centre-back yeah. pairing poor. The uh, wing-back's pretty good. Yeah. So there's just two midfielders. So who, who have we got midfielder-wise so far? So we got... Well, Wilshire, no, no, he came no, off the Wilshire bench. Came off the bench. So you only you just have the forwards really. You had Rooney, Sturridge, Kane, and Sterling. But Ro- Rooney played in midfield, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. So there was so. Only, there was two additional midfield players, central midfield players. Um, do, 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 do. One of the reasons, Eric Dyer. Yes, exactly. Eric One of the Dyer. reasons we oh. failed to maintain control of that match is because Eric Dyer was our holding midfield. <laughs> so terrible. Effort Get him on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> and no, um, no Henderson. No, no Milner. No, your bench. creative midfielder was the other guy. Oh, uh, uh, playing in a deeper role than usual, I think. Who, Lalana? No, Spurs. Deli oh, Alley. Deli Ali. Deli Ali. So, okay. in fact, that wow. lineup is a very similar lineup to the one that we were just chatting about, potentially going on the plane to Russia. Interesting. And an extremely inept midfield. But if you look at that. If you look at that, you realise how attacking that formation was, just yeah, with the, yeah. the players that were on the pitch. But we couldn't score a bloody goal against Iceland. But part of the problem, part of the problem was, is that they 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 had eleven. I mean, they they barely got into our half, apart from the the two goals that they scored. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had that clip. I wish I had that clip with uh, McLaren. With McLaren. Yeah. yeah, they just got the big leg. Sig Thorson. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I can dig that one out for next week. Uh, oh dear, bad times. But yeah, there you go. And I, I really wanted to do that lineup just as a counterpoint to yeah. the squad that we just picked because yeah. I think on paper, you know, even then in that game, how on earth did we fail to win that match? I mean, I think I think circumstances are and are, were different and are different now, were different then and are different now as well. And I also think a lot of those players were very, very new to England at that point. Um, and I think a lot of those players were very new to their Premier League careers at that yeah, point. Absolutely. I think Raheem Sterling is a completely different player now to how he was two years yeah, ago. Agreed. And I think I think a lot of those players have now are now kind of first pick for high ranking Premier League teams. So I, I think I think just in terms yeah. of their experience and their ability, they are going to be better. But the problem is the problem is still that weight of the weight of the, the three lions on your chest. Mm. Not because of the expectation, but because of because of the dread and the fear that comes with playing for England, which is what absolutely murdered us against Iceland. Absolutely, and has done many times before. And the dread and fear of being part of that England setup not only relies with the players but with the managers as well. Mm-hmm. And I have some incredible stats here. I just did a little quick uh, search before we joined the pod just to look at England's most successful managers. Uh, to receive stats 
stats that I did not expect. Okay. Oh, did this like win stats and stuff don't, like that? Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't, okay. don't include Allardyce because he won his only game. <laughs> that is true. He's so, got 100% win, uh, win Yeah, ratio. I think in order to get on this list, you had to have a minimum number of games. Okay. So I think that rules Allardyce out, thankfully. Good. But what it does do is, uh, based on the win percentage, it puts Fabio Capello as England's most successful manager. Now, I take it particular <laughs> umbrage with this. Because Capello's England was the worst thing that's ever happened to anybody ever. And, and again, it was fucking awful from and again, start this, to finish. This goes back to one of the point that, 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 that Shiz was making on the first pod, which was that... Um, well, you know, I mean, this is this is a well-worn argument now anyway, but it's the, it's the fact that, that it's the, the, the qualifiers are essentially meaningless. We get paired against a bunch of part-timers from Central Europe yeah. half the time and, and no challenging games. Um, and I would argue, and I would I suspect if you have a look at the kind of teams that, that, he, that Capello was playing in his qualifiers... And probably even friendlies, he was playing significantly easier opposition. I just that's a hunch. That's a hunch. Yeah, sure. I mean, well, mm. how many competitive games outside of qualifiers did Capello play? Just the four, right? The three, mm-hmm. the three group games, the one we got knocked out. Of. Yeah, um, and I also think um, one thing that we're doing now as well, particularly with this this weird Nations League thing, but actually England have been arranging them better in the last two years or so is that we're now playing decent sides in our in our friendlies well, we're not picking friendlies against like basket cases from from like <laughs> yeah you exactly. know like countries that are inside moldova you know like <laughs> we've played we've in recent times we've played germany spain and holland uh, i mean they're three of the biggest teams yeah. in europe is that as, as, a, as a direct result of this new thing or was that they were just pre-booked friendly i think the last two i think the last two friendlies no the last last friendly i think was now in this new okay. nations thing but 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 we've we've just decided we just there was a conscious decision to actually just start playing decent sides yeah yeah um i think it makes a huge difference of course it, it does and i think you know we just need to have a little run at a tournament where we can actually see how good we are and one manager who did manage to achieve that during his tenure was sven mm-hmm. and i think looking back actually sven had a pretty good although there was some weird media stuff going on at that time i think that was because in those early 2000s it was an explosion of media was happening so there was a lot of scrutiny it was all the wags and all the other stuff that was going on they never really had that level of scrutiny on the uh, squad before mm. so i think sven had to put up with that and that's why he's maybe tainted with some bad memories but the actual the actual games and the performances we had in this game were pretty good and he won uh, nearly 60% of his matches managing 67 and winning 40 of which some of those you know took us to the quarterfinal of the World Cup and, and we did pretty well I, think. I mean the, my, my only problem with Sven was in that last World Cup was him being it was his massively overcautious squad selection yeah um, picking only picking four strikers, um, one of whom was injured, one of whom he didn't play a single second of because he was seventeen, yeah. and the other one was Peter Crouch. So it's you know it's that that is not that that is that is a bad squad selection decision. It really really yeah. Is. He was taking and, no risks at that point, but, but whatsoever. But to the point that that was a massive massive yeah. risk. Yeah. Um. And and yeah. And so he was not playing anything attacking or anything like that because he maybe his fingers had been burnt. And maybe he, that was part of the, the problem so much of being of it the England was, manager. I think so much of that was the media stuff that was going around it because you remember the newspapers were saying, well, Sven's no longer picking the team. We're picking the team. That was really the mm. angle that the media had. Is and that's exactly what they were doing. They were manipulating the situation to the point where if Sven didn't take such and such, 
you know, there would have been outcry. And you can imagine the pressure that you would have been under at that at that point. So it is, yeah. And you remember the whole Rooney thing? They were like televising his meet up again with the uh, with the squad and everything else. And he turned up and they made this huge deal. And then he played for five seconds. And you were like, well, he's obviously not fit. Yeah, it was yeah. a real shame. Yeah, no, it was a shame, but um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I I actually think in in Southgate, it, giving him the FA deciding to actually just just go with him and give him a long run at it, regardless of what happens in this World Cup, he's going to have a long run at it. Um, is is a sensible shout? Admittedly, that's what they said about um, about Roy Hodgson as well. As well. Yeah. Um, and he got two tournaments, didn't he? And then that didn't go so well the, um, the, the, diff- the difference with Southgate though is I feel I feel like he's actually building something he's building um, a, a squad uh, and an ethic and a, and a way of playing which I can't remember any recent England team doing which is which is really really positive he is he is stamping his mark on things yeah. which was something I wasn't expecting to see from mm. him um, but I, I would also say that that I think it's really it's, it, he's a good a good appointment in the basis that um, he understands better than any manager who is currently out there what those England players are facing in terms of the scrutiny yeah, that they're under. He understands the psychological pressure that they're under because he has played for England in the, under the in the modern era and he has had. The you know unfairly so, but he has had the shit. He has had the kicking from the press yeah. um, more than more than anybody has had. Yeah. Um, and so 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 in, in in that respect, I think I think he's he you know he he will have their you know he'll have the players' heads. I think. And he was a fantastic spokesperson for Bull Boy Shoes. But moving on from <laughs> lovely Gareth. we're going to turn our attention back to the World Cup. We're going to put those teams through from the quarters into the semi-finals. They're mine now. Over the last couple of weeks, guys, we've been putting through teams in our own predicted World Cup and we got through to the quarter-final stage, if my memory serves me right, Andy. We have indeed. Your memory serves you extremely well. Yeah, um, great, although I'm slightly not looking forward to this because our quarter-final lineup is dreadful. It's not great. Although, uh, in my memory, we had put Panama through, but we haven't. Now that, oh, I, right, now, now that I look at the <laughs> now I look at black and white on the paper... I can see uh, that these are our four quarterfinal matches. So they, we did, have, they did get to the knockout phase. They though, very much they? did, yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They got knocked out by Poland. An <laughs> absolute World Cup classic, <laughs> that one. Uh, <laughs> so we have Russia versus Spain, Iceland versus Croatia, Sweden versus Germany, and England versus Poland. So, Andy, you're up first. Okay. Give us a winner of Russia versus Spain. Oh, oh, that's tasty, isn't it? I mean, it's going to be a good one. It right? is going to be a good one. Um, and for all of our kind of like slightly comedy, slightly nervy chat about <laughs> about how Russia are going to to, to approach the tournament or, yeah. or whatever, um, I I suspect Spain will probably just beat them. Quality in terms of personnel, we'll see through there. You'd have thought so. And they'll be coming up against the winner of Iceland versus Croatia, John. Another interesting. Hold on. How did we get Iceland through? Yeah, we had Iceland beating Denmark in the first knockout round. Well, you know, it's a it's a it's a Scandinavian hotbed there. They, anything can happen in those kind of semi-local rivalries. <laughs> Amazing that's, stuff. That's madness. And I think it was actually me that put them through for some reason. <laughs> so, uh, who are you putting through from Iceland versus Croatia? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure where to start. It's um, come back to haunt you, hasn't it? It has a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I I can't. 
can't put Iceland through to the World Cup semi-final. No. Can I? I, I just can't do it. Against Croatia? Yeah. Croatia? No. <laughs> no. No. All right, Croatia to go through. Croatia it is. And uh, Andy... This is a classic European tie for the mm-hmm. World Cup quarterfinal. Sweden versus Germany. Whoa. Oh, that is that's, that's great, isn't it? Yeah, very um, tasty. I, yeah, and, and it's, it's still not 100% whether, whether Zlatan's going to come out of, of, of his, his eighth retirement, are we? <laughs> I, um, I hope he does. Yeah, I, but either way, I, either way, I don't see that happening and uh, Germany will win. So that will place Germany against one of these two teams, John. It will either be England or Poland. Who's it going to be? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I, I think realistically England should do enough here, even with uh, Lewandowski. Um, Come on, the boys! Come on, England! Come on! It's going to happen! Even with Lewandowski up top. Oh, uh, my the, goodness. The, the big man uh, will we'll probably do something against him. Is it going to be a squeaker? Is yeah, it going to be like a 2-1 two, two, last-minute winner from Barney? And England go through to oh, face yes. Germany in the semi-final of the World Cup it's in on, Russia. Boys. It's oh on, Oh, my goodness. Well, that really would be quite something. So that would make the semi-finals of the World Cup 2018, Spain versus Croatia and Germany versus England. Croatia, the su- surprise package there. Probably. Well, you know, there's usually yeah. there's usually one, isn't there's there? And I, I, I'm, I'm happy with that. Given how unhappy I was with our quarterfinal lineup, I'm more happy with the semi-final lineup, particularly because <laughs> well, we're in it. Absolutely. Yes. So I think uh, I think we're all pretty happy with that. And then next week we will get to pick the finalists from those two matches. And I think maybe we'll uh, come up with our own fantastical results for those two matches, just to get everybody's juices a flowing. And also give everybody something to bet on, because it's going to happen. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I think once we get to that point, the bets will start to uh, will start to flow. I'm going to sneeze. Bless you. No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> Whenever you say you're going to do it, you it never do happen, it. doesn't does it, though? Right, and on that note, well done, guys. Uh, I think there's some uh, excellent picks there, and we'll uh, see how close we get to reality in a few months' time. So from next week on, we're going to turn the focus of the pod very much to the World Cup as the football season, uh, domestic football season, is now over. Uh, we'll have a little bit of chat about the Champions League final, which is upcoming, where John still has a dog in the race. Uh, and after that, we'll be, turn our focus to the World Cup, and we're going to talk about VAR, and we're going to talk about the stadiums and some of the locations uh, in Russia. John, you look like you want to say something right now. No, I don't. <laughs> Can I just say, I'm actually really starting to get quite excited about oh, the World Cup yes. now. Genuinely World am. Cup uh, fever. Yeah. Right, it's gripping the pod and hopefully it's gripping you on the other side of the line. So thank you very much for listening and uh, we'll see you next time on Worldy. I'm going to say goodbye, Andy. Goodbye. Goodbye, Jono. Ta-ta. And it's a goodbye from me. Cheerio. Right, um, yeah, at least we didn't totally mess that up. I can't believe we're going to win the World Cup. We're going to win the World Cup! Ah! <laughs>